1: Welcome back to another edition of the Friday egg podcast. It is master's week. I'm, I'm excited for a, another major championship at Augusta national. We will be on the grounds. We are credentialed media for the first time. It's very exciting. So we will be churning out a lot of content, uh, lots of articles on the website, some podcasts, uh, the shotgun start will be aired daily. And this is our first preview pod. And we are joined by none other than co host of Golf Today on the Golf Channel. And, uh, you know, really golf media extraordinaire, Shane Bacon. So, Shane is also the host of Get a Grip podcast. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. I love listening to Get a Grip. He just fired it back up uh, after a, a little break, and he had Scott Van Pelt on to talk about the Masters. So I recommend listening to that. And without further ado, here is Shane Bacon. All right, Bacon, you're back. Uh, another Masters. I feel like we had you on last Masters, and then we did the recap the last time Tiger played the Masters. And uh, how's uh, how's life with two kids?
0: Um, you know, it's uh, it's been easier than everybody said it was going to be. And uh, I don't even want to knock on wood or any of that stuff. But uh, you know, people tend to t- like they project their negative parental experiences on you. And it's a reminder that everybody's experience is their own experience, right? But it's been it's been lovely. Uh, the little, uh, little girls, nine days old, almost almost double digits. Big, big. Do you do like a celebration? Is that like a Pat and Oswald birthday celebration when you get to double digit days?
1: I I don't know. You know, the thing that I always wonder about is like I'm at the I'm at 19 months now. When do I get to drop the months and just go? She's one. She's two.
0: I, I did it at two. I did it at two. But the problem is now is my, is Henry is almost three, but he's not right there. So do you say two, because two years, eight months is a lot different than two years, one month, right? I mean, it's a completely different child with experiences and what they're doing. And so I, at le- I used to always trash the month thing. And now I at least understand it to a certain extent. Now I don't do it, but I at least understand the people that do it
1: i uh I have this whole theory. I think I've said this either here or the shotguns start on time and and why, as you get older, it seems like the years go faster and faster is because it's a smaller sum of your life like it's a smaller percentage of your life a year, so when you're when you're thirty five or thirty i'm you know I'm just gonna embarrass myself with math, but you know that's such a smaller percentage than when you're ten, so months actually make sense I think almost until you're probably like four because it's just a month is such a huge part of part of their life when they're under two years old, especially
0: three months is a big yeah three months is an enormous difference in the child as they're moving three months along like my one of my best buddies' son is exactly three months older than Henry. And as I'm watching, you know, their Instagram videos and things like that, I get excited for what comes three months later. You know, like right now, Henry's been hitting golf balls, by the way, hitting golf balls lefty, which I'm very excited about. I've got to actually after this, I'm going to the hardware store to buy uh, one of those things that can cut metal. And I'm going to cut some clubs down and see if he actually will like re-grip some little clubs and see if he's actually going to be a lefty. We'll see.
1: Wow, that's got to be exciting! You're you're doing it the old-fashioned way. You aren't going to go get a, a fancy set of uh, beginner clubs. You're just going to cut down some old ones. He's going to be he's going to be swinging some hefty swing weights.
0: <laughs> I gotta. I've, so I I went through this phase where I was asking a uh, Titleist sent me like a seven, eight, nine iron and blades because I was thinking about doing a combo set, and I think I'm going to cut the seven iron blade down. And this kid's going to have the coolest little kid club of all time. Like a blade seven iron is pretty sweet. You're going to be like Tiger. You're
1: going to be giving your kid yeah. blades from the Very start. much like Make Tiger. Sure is that the segue? The center. Yeah. Is that the master segue I guess that is the right segue. I didn't segue? even know that I segued. I didn't even know. So it wasn't professional. It was, it was just dumb luck. But uh, I guess this is what we have to talk about. As of this is Friday afternoon, I thought by this time, We were going to know, but we still don't know. He's waiting till the very last minute. Uh, Tiger Woods, it seems all signs point to him playing.
0: Seems like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's so. So I'm I'm bringing back the Get a Grip podcast. I did an episode on Thursday with Scott Van Pelt. That's dropping on Monday. And much like you and I are doing here. We basically just talked as if Tiger was in the field. And if he's not, it's going to be an awkward first 20 minutes of the podcast. But it feels like he's going to be doing it. And it feels like he's going to be in the field. It is like I wrote something already about this. Like I haven't I haven't posted an article in a year. I mean, it is so bananas to me that this guy is actually going to play professional golf again in any capacity. And then it's the Masters, right? I mean, it's his place. He's the modern Masters guy. And he's going to make the return here. I mean, like, is the week a win? That's what that's what I wrote. I wrote that the week's a win. No matter what happens, this is a win for this sport.
1: I think I had gotten to the point with Tiger before this injury where I literally nothing surprised me. Right. If he went out and he finished dead last, I wasn't surprised. If he went out and won, I wasn't surprised. I mean, I think we just have to look back to what happened with the FedEx Cup playoffs a couple years ago when he wins the tour championship and one l- week later he's the worst player maybe outside <laughs> of Phil at the Ryder Cup you know it just the the variance it, you know this at this point of his career i just I don't ever know what to expect. I think it's a huge win, no matter what that he's even playing. I think uh, Brendan Porath wrote something on the fried egg this week where he compared it to Alex Smith, who obviously came back from a similarly gruesome injury. And he said along the lines, "I'm going to misquote this, but he said it wasn't, you know, that that first play back for Alex Smith. Nobody remembers the results of the play. They just res- remember him being in the game again." and i think yeah. that's the the mentality that everybody should take with tiger who knows uh one of the things i think is crazy is like when the injury to the leg happened he was he was rehabbing another major back surgery right and nobody's talking about the back i i put it as a subhead for an article that'll be live by the time this pod is tiger's back you know <laughs> it's, i we haven't heard anything about the back like and i think that's an, uh, another layer to this that makes this return so crazy is that he already was rehabbing a major back injury and then he almost lost his leg and he's back playing a little more than a year later
0: competitively potentially right i mean that again is what is so wild this is a guy i i I talked to van pelt a lot about tiger and one of the things i said was this is the toughest athlete of this generation of athletes and it's crazy to think that a golfer can be the toughest athlete. And, you know, Scott was mentioning, I mean, there's a difference in toughness in hockey and football versus golf, obviously. But in terms of finding a way to come back from these types of injuries that put people out of the sport forever, I mean, you mentioned the Alex Smith thing with the Porath article. You know, I go back to Sean Livingston a lot. And when Sean Livingston had that horrible, horrible injury, and the video was like unwatchable, right? And the fact that he was able to come back, was so incredible just to watch him be athletic again. Alex Smith, much of the same. The difference being is you're talking about two very good athletes. And now you're talking about who I think is probably the most famous athlete in the world, definitely the most famous athlete in the United States to make a return like this after all these injuries and everything he's gone through. And what is this now? Like the third or fourth return for Tiger Woods? And to me, this is the biggest one to this point, considering you know we were asking a question almost a year ago, is he gonna walk again? And now there's a chance that he's going to walk one of the toughest golf courses on the PGA Tour to walk and play in a major championship. It's you guys. I thought you guys nailed it on the shotgun start earlier this week or late last week when you guys talked about this this event kind of sneaking up on you a little bit. It, it just felt like the Masters kind of poked, poked its head, and all of a sudden it's here, and we're getting the story that everybody in the world would hope to get right. So even though we haven't seen a lot from Rory and DJ and Rom and those types of names that you hope are playing well coming into the first major you are getting the biggest story you could ever ask for in golf and outside of golf and that is tiger coming back i mean who who do you compare him to andy i mean brady serena that's what i was when you said when he said he's the most famous athlete
1: i i don't think i necessarily disagree i think the people that you would put him in and put in you, you you named him serena lebron tom brady i don't think anybody in baseball gets there I mean, Michael Jordan would be the other guy that he hasn't played in forever that might be able to even, I think Michael Jordan would probably be the guy that was the only, maybe the only athlete that's more famous than Tiger.
0: I keep hoping Tiger faxes the, uh, the note in like, just find a way to send faxes out, you know, when he (laughs) makes the actual return, it's like, go full, go full Jordan, just, I don't even know who would get a fax, like would the AP. even know what to do if it popped on their machine, but it would just be unbelievable if he just sent faxes out to if Steinberg was faxing out all this information to the world, letting him know that Tiger was back as a true you know hat tip to Mr. Mr. M.J.: What I
1: mean, we did the recap show after he won in 2019. what Is there any result short of winning that would eclipse that in terms of a sports moment?
0: I think if he got in contention at this Masters. And again, I I'm I've said this. I wrote something about it. The the week is a win. If he's playing golf on Thursday, he won the week. He won the 2022 Masters to me if Tiger Woods is actually playing in the field on Thursday. Let's say we're actually talking about the golf. If he found a way and he's going to need conditions and I know you and I are going to talk about our five things we're watching. This is number
1: one. This is the first thing. Yeah, uh, obviously. The ti-
0: everything, everything, Tiger, right? <laughs> Just, but I mean, he's going to need We do the five stakes.
1: This is the first thing for both of us.
0: This is all bold, all italicized in like font 30. But he's going to need Augusta National to cooperate. When I say that, I mean, he's going to need a golf course that could play into his hands. He's going to need it to be firmer. He's going to need it to play faster. He's going to need a place that's not soft. And it, it's going to play into the hands of guys that could hit it 305 and 310 in the air, right? But if it does play like that a little bit what the forecast looks like for Thursday through Sunday of next week. But if it can play in his hands there and he does find a way to do those old Tiger tricks, right? Go out and shoot even par in the opening round, shoot one under on Friday, make a little bit of a move on Saturday and he's just around like Jack was in 98 and to me that's the comp as it's not Jack at 86, this is Jack at 98 when Jack found a way to finish in the top 10 coming off Tiger's win in 97, you know, kind of the one we forget about a lot, that Jack actually had a chance to win the Masters in 1998, which is so silly to think about. But that is the comp I would compare it to is, there's a if Tiger got in contention and was just a storyline, simply making the cut is a storyline on the weekend, I think we will remember this, probably not as much as 19, but we will remember 22 as much as maybe, Three of his wins at the Masters. I mean, I think 97 and 19 are forever going to be one and two in some way, right, with Tiger. And then you probably make an argument that Tiger slam is third because he won a four straight majors, for goodness sakes. The return is going to be in those top two, three, four experiences of Tiger at the Masters, which is crazy to think, considering he's won it five times.
1: It's uh, it's wild. It's it, The whole thing, I did not expect this to be a real thing, even like when he was playing the PNC. If you, I felt like we were stealing when we got him playing the PNC, and it's like, oh, is the PNC going to be this? But I think we're going to see Tiger probably, from what he said, we might only see him four or five times a year from now on, and it could be just centered around these majors. And I think that's, I mean... That's a huge win for, for all the majors and everything, but it's a huge win for golf. I, I mean, I, the, the general interest of this event, if Tiger's playing, is is spiked so much because of everything that he's gone through. And uh, obviously, I think it, this is a huge win for the Masters because, like we were talking about, it was kind of, it kind of snuck up on us. Everything about golf has been about the the Saudis the big names haven't been winning golf tournaments leading up to the Masters. I think you made this point on golf today, uh, a couple weeks ago about the names of that were winning last year versus the names winning this year. So you, ha- you don't have that lead up where you typically like to see you like to see Rory win, knock one off at Bay Hill or something. You like to see John Rahm win. But all of them have been kind of mired. And and even I was looking into it like Colin Morkow is hasn't been talked about much because he hasn't been on leaderboards that much because he's kind of been having a down year by his standards. And obviously it's a small sample size, but the ball striking, which is something, you know, the iron play hasn't been there at the level that it had that we come to expect over a short career. And I think, you know, coming into this event, that that's obviously, you know, tiger just, just shot this thing to the moon when it was, one of the most underhyped masters of all time is now going to be one of the most hyped.
0: You, you, you said something interesting about tiger scheduling kind of going forward. And and again, we're assuming that he's playing, right? We're assuming he's going to play the Masters. So then you start to think about when will we see tiger the rest of the year? I just finished that, that great Roger Federer book that came out this year. And I, I know Federer and tiger were like buddies back in the day. And I hope tiger takes a page out of the way. Federer kind of spent the last five, eight years of his career where it was all about the slams, but it was all about the specific slams. I mean, if you remember, Federer would skip the French. I mean, he would skip clay season, even when he was healthy, because he understood his best potential to win was on grass, was at Wimbledon, and was around those types of seasonal events. And I think for Tiger, and you and I have made this point many a times, is going forward, Tiger's going to have as good a chance to win an open as he is anything else, right? If he's healthy and can walk, on a golf course again. If he can play four days of professional golf at some sort of a tournament level, his best option to win another major championship is going to be the Opens. It's going to be very interesting if he decides to skip PGAs and decides to skip U.S. Opens at times, understanding that those golf courses and his, his skill set might not kind of you know congeal, if you will. I mean, it might not work out that way. How great
1: would it be if Tiger's playing like the the Irish and Scottish in the lead up to the and, to the and Open not, Championship? And
0: not certain majors would be pretty yeah. wild. And and it's like then
1: the, the Masters he plays, you know, he plays Bay Hill and and maybe one other, and those are his six events of the year. Is like he plays just he just plays the Open and he just plays the Masters because I think those are the two tournaments over the years that have shown they're not. I think this kind of parlays into one of my first points is the youth movement has overtaken golf. It, it has been something that we've been talking about for five years and it's now fully realized. I believe with, if you look at the official world golf rankings, it's here. It's not coming anymore. It is here that it can't get much younger than it is right now. And with that, the two majors that have been the most equitable to older players over the last five, 10 years have been the masters and the open championship and partially the masters because of the field makeup, but also because of the golf course. And, and there's a lot of little local knowledge in it. But one of the things that I'm watching this year is in, and this is years going forward. Something's got to give. There's never been a first time winner at the masters. We've got a younger than ever top 10 in the world, the top five in the world right now, the entire top five is, is sub 30 years old. Something's got to give. There's going to be a first-time player to win the Masters at, at some point in the future. Could it be this year? And obviously, if we're talking about this year, we're talking about maybe Sam Burns. He's a top-ten player in the world, and he's never played the Masters, which I don't know. I, don't, I should have asked Justin Ray ahead of this. I don't know if that's ever happened before.
0: Top-ten player coming in and making his debut at Augusta National. Yeah. Yeah. I mean you gotta you gotta go back to Fuzzy, right? Fuzzy was the last player that won in his debut, right? Is that the last player that won that the, was the last in his player first that start? won? Yeah. Yeah. Um well that kind of parlays into one of my points since we're talking about young players, and obviously we have both spoke on the superstar names that haven't shown up. And I think when you say that, you have to bring up Scotty Scheffler. because you talk about you talk about surprising the world in terms of becoming something. And he's all of a sudden the number one ranked player in the world. It's still, even when you look at that, it seems a bit surprising. Scotty Scheffler, and I know you and I are going to talk about Justin Thomas in a bit. Scotty Scheffler's major resume to this point is astonishingly good. And again, this is the number one ranked player in the world coming in totally under the radar. You know, three wins. He's played great golf. But when you're talking about young players that could have major success and win majors quickly, Scotty Scheffler has played, let me see here, I got it. He's played in nine majors, Okay, two of those as an amateur. He was low amateur at Aaron Hills at the U.S. Open where he finished in a tie for 27. So that was a top 30 as an amateur player. He played in the 2019 U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and he missed the cut. Since then, he's played in six majors. All of them are top 19 finishes, three straight top eight finishes last year in majors coming into Augusta National. This is a guy that has routinely found himself in the top 10 on the leaderboards, and I think sleeping on Scotty Scheffler at this point is almost an idiotic move from anybody involved in and around golf. You have to sit here and think that this guy not only has a great chance to win the Masters, but this guy has a great chance just to get himself in contention. He's done it in almost every major championship he's played in. So when we look past the Rorys, we look past the Roms and look past the Kepkas, there's a guy standing here right in front of us that has the potential to be Colin Murakawa come October of 2022, right? We could be looking at this guy going, He won another major. He's number one in the world. He now has, I don't know, let's say five wins, six wins at that point. But I think Scotty Scheffler is sneaking up on that next guy thing that we have kind of been waiting for. Who's going to push Morikawa? I mean, you know how
1: few players have won four times in a PGA Tour season? There's, I mean, I can't, the, the list has to be tiny.
0: Yeah, lately, especially.
1: And and this guy, one more win, if he picks one more win off this year, he's got four PGA Tour wins. It's it's wild. And I think the thing about Scheffler that makes him such a good major player is you look at him and he, none of, nothing in his game, he's plenty long, nothing in his game is really like excellent. You're not talking about Morikawa where you're like his iron play is otherworldly good. There's nothing excellent, but also he doesn't have an Achilles heel. like. Every player you go to the list and John Rom has been this player, no Achilles heel. But this year, the putter has just kind of been disagreeing and you don't want to see that linger too long. But the players that don't have any discernible weaknesses are always going to be the most consistent and the most well versed when it comes to major championships, because it puts such stress on every aspect of your game. And that when you look at Augusta National, I think that's where like the recipe for Tiger to contend is that he's been working on a short game of putting seemingly for a year. Right. (laughs) You know, and that's a place that if you know where to miss, you can kind of get it around. Jordan Spieth does it all the time. He makes these junky 67s like you're just, how do you shoot 67? But Scotty Scheffler is along the same lines of like, hey, this guy doesn't really struggle with anything. He has no demons in a way because he's pretty good at every aspect of golf. And that suits him so, so, suits him so well for different venues and different major championship tests. And if you go back to his amateur career, you know, Scotty Scheffler was a bit of an enigma. People always wanted more out of him. But if you looked at the big-time events, when it, the, the USAM rolled around, the NCAA championship, the Big, the big 12 championship, you know, there's a guy always near the top of the leaderboard. It was Scotty Scheffler. And I think that he's one of those guys that he, the professional light has kind of turned on. Oh, I do this for money now. And there might be a little bit more, I don't think he was necessarily a poor work ethic, but there might be a little bit more focus now that millions of dollars are on the line and it's not just pride. And, uh, and you know, I don't think it's a fluke. You got to You don't get to world number one and have it be a fluke, you know?
0: Right. Um I uh I've been I've been thinking a lot about Scotty Scheffler this week and just because I think again it's been a little surprising that he just this has happened this quickly right and I and I always go back to you see certain professional golfers that have this stretch where it feels like it's really easy for them and I always go back to the goodwill honey moment you know where will hunting burns the paper right because you know how easy this is for me and I always think about that when I think about pro golfers dustin had a long stretch of this where dustin would play golf And it just seems so easy. You know, it seems so easy for Dustin to finish sixth and to finish fourth and to win, right? I mean, to go out there and win on hard golf courses, easy golf courses, whatever's asked of him. Rory earlier in his career, it looked so easy for Rory McIlroy. And there are times with Justin Thomas where it feels like golf is incredibly easy for Justin Thomas. Now, what's so interesting is there are certain players out there that have made careers out of almost making it look hard. I think Phil Mickelson, throughout his career, sometimes Jordan made it Spieth. look really hard. Jordan Speeth is another one that sometimes you watch him. I mean, the great Rory McIlroy quote, right? The last time Rory was really in the hunt at the Masters and he didn't make a birdie, he said, how the hell is this guy beating me? Or how the hell is this guy two under, right, is the famous quote he said about Jordan Speeth. It doesn't look easy, but he can kind of junk himself to a 67 or a 68. And Scotty Scheffler kind of does both. There are days where you're watching him and you're like, how is he two under? And there are days where he shoots 65 and you're thinking, That's about his par. And I just feel like to have both of those, to have both of those pitches and to be able to kind of play those types of golf courses, and we've seen it this year, I would be surprised if Scotty Scheffler's not in the hunt. Just because of the way he's played lately, to your point about the big events, and simply how comfortable he seems to be right now in his own skin, he's going to go there thinking, I got a chance to win this thing. And that's as important as anything in golf is that confidence in yourself and your game.
1: The demeanor is really unbelievable for him out there too. Yes. It just, he never looks flustered. And that I think is something he, I've not, I haven't seen him really get angry about things. Like it just, I, it seems like life is just in a good place. And I think that's one of the things with golf that, that um it's really hard to play great golf for a long time. One of the reasons is life, like life and what's going on in your life impacts your golf. Anybody that's ever gone to try and play golf with a lot on their mind about different things, probably realize how difficult it was to figure out how to hit a golf shot that way and i think you know something that's coming to light is is golf in your 20s probably is a little bit easier from from the sense of you're a little bit more naive you're not aware of of the pitfalls of the sport and you you have less going on personally and i think that it, combined with coaching And technology has led to this youth boom is that it just is an easier sport to play when you're younger because there's less clutter in your brain now for a quick word from our sponsor elijah craig did you know that shane bacon's good friend and pga tour pro max homa is a new brand ambassador for elijah craig he will be out at the masters i feel like he's kind of a good sneaky long shot pick actually uh he's a great iron player he's won a lot of great golf courses but he's also a friend of the program because he's a a fellow brand ambassador for elijah craig like homa elijah craig bourbon never settles for less than the best every bottle of their award winning small batch carries a signature warm spice and subtle smoke flavor it's exceptionally smooth and well balanced I like to drink it on the rocks. Elijah Craig won the double gold at the San Francisco World Spirits Competition last year. It's not only celebrated by experts, it's enjoyed by all, especially Max. Whether you're at the clubhouse or watching the Masters at your own house, enjoy the action with a glass of Elijah Craig, the signature sip of PGA Tour Pro Max Homa. Pick up a bottle today or order online at drizzly.com. This is really awesome. Get it delivered to your house and save $5 on a bottle of Elijah Craig delivered to your door with the promo code Egg 5 That's friedegg 5 if you use drizzly.com. The Fried Egg is brought to you by Elijah Craig Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Bardstown, Kentucky. 47% alcohol by volume. Elijah Craig reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Now back to Shane Bacon.
0: So we're talking about youth. Can I throw out one of my things that is about the complete opposite of youth? Yes. Okay. So when you think of players of age that you feel like will have a chance to play well at Augusta National, of course, people love to throw Freddie out as they should. Uh, I'm going to go Bernhard Langer because Bernhard Langer doesn't age and he's aging in reverse. It's an even, It's an even year. It's an even <laughs> year this year, Andy. And he's had a lot of success recently in even years. Langer, 2014, T8, 2016, T24, 2018, T38, 2020, T29. It's 2022, baby. This is the year I think Langer gets himself back in contention. I want Langer-Tiger paired together on Saturday or Sunday. Let's just completely bulldoze the youth movement with these two guys at Augusta National. It's 2022. It's an even year. I I like his chances of continuing the trend.
1: Don't make me go down the road of Bernard Langer's not getting the respect he deserves for what he's doing on the Champions Tour.
0: But I mean, like, think about that. Eighth, 20, I mean, three times he's finished in the top 29 in the in the last four even year at events at the Masters. Now he's thrown some stinkers in there as well. That's why I didn't include those because those are odd years and I'm talking about even years. But I mean, to just consistently find yourself in contention, I go back to this a lot. I mean, I asked him on golf today last year, if he'd feel comfortable being on a Ryder Cup team, he was like, absolutely. I think I'd be a benefit. You know, I mean, who says that? What is he, sixty-four?
1: Could you imagine if he had been out there during Whistling Straits? It couldn't have hurt. <laughs> Would it have hurt the team? I mean... <laughs> Looking back, it would but everybody would have pointed to that. That would be would have been the scapegoat. And maybe that's the benefit. Maybe that's the benefit. If, if you put him on the roster, you've got your immediate scapegoat. Bernard Longer shouldn't have been on the team.
0: Uh so do you like that one? Do you like that?
1: I like that. I, I personally, you know, there are some people that think that this past champion thing should go away. I love it. I loved Woozy's run last year. I'm disappointed we don't get another Woozy run this year. I love Larry Mys out there hitting a 240 and making cuts. I think he's made three of the last four cuts or something. I mean, he's made more cuts than Bryce has made in the last four years, I think. And uh, I mean, that's another crazy thing is that Bryce is not really a main storyline because he hasn't been really around. Not I at mean, all. Mr. Par 67 isn't a main storyline. But yeah, I like that one. I, I like that. It's uh, it's humorous. It's um if we if we could ride him to the top 30, that's a good DraftKings pick, baby. It's good. Good late
0: pool sleeper. I can promise you it's not never a bad thing to throw him in a lineup. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I, I I see the floor. You you have you have one of your five.
1: All right. I'm going to put Kyle Morikawa in here. OK. And the idea behind Kyle Morkawa is he would you know win here. He's also in the next. Uh, Great major player. He's one away from the career slam. Uh, It all of a sudden looks so much more realistic than every other one away from the career slam contender that we have. Uh, He has not played great recently. That said, he's putting better than he ever has in his career. And I don't think it takes much to turn on a great iron player. And if you if you're a great iron player, you drive the ball. Well enough, like he, you know, he drives it really well. It, a great iron play at Augusta National is about as about as good of a skill as you can have. And I mean, Colin Morikawa just seems like he's going to win one of these because of that iron play. And I, I think, you know, in terms of if Colin Morikawa picks this off, the commentary around Colin Morikawa becomes rather significant, and he enters a stratosphere. I he's already in a crazy stratosphere. But he enters uh, all of a sudden, like, where could this go from here when the golf courses are hard and they separate good shots from or great shots from good shots? There's, you know, him and John Rahm are the two guys you
0: want. I'm looking at Morikawa's year, and we'll see how this plays out in terms of majors. And I love that you brought up the putting because the putting has drastically improved in terms of the statistics. And you said it. I mean, the ball striking will be there either now or eventually sometime this season, it's not like he lost the ability to be the generational iron player, right? I go back to Louie last year. You know, Louis is a, a, an unbelievable ball striker that at times could have a balky putter. Last year, he putted great, and look how often he was in contention at the major championships. So if Colin Murakawa shows up and has a relatively okay week putting, and let's all of a sudden say he has a great week putting, like he did when he won his two major championships. He's going to be there. He's going to be around. The, the, he's going to be around. You know, the lead, and he's going to be in contention. And I always go back to Ustasen because I just feel like last year the ball striking and the golf swing has always been very impressive from Louis. And the fact that he was literally leading the PGA Tour in terms of putting was the reason he was finding himself contention at different golf courses, at different majors, and different situations against different people. Right. And I feel like there's a chance we're going to see that from Colin if that putter continues. And what I keep saying about this guy is he's won two majors basically leading the field in putting. He doesn't have to lead the field in putting. He needs to finish 20th or 25th. I was looking at JT's putting stats and JT wins when he's around 40th in strokes game putting. You know, he doesn't have to be first. He doesn't have to be second. But if he's 40th, if he's just better than average with the plastic, he has a really good chance to win. And I feel like Colin Morcow is much of the same. When he's 190th, It's hard to win. But when you're thirtieth or fortieth, you might have a chance.
1: Something that everybody talked about the Greens books, and I'm very guilty of this and and how they could hinder players. Right. Maybe Colin Morikawa has been helped by not having a Greens book. Maybe it's made it more athletic and more natural, and he doesn't feel like he needs to look into a book to read putts. And that could be as simple of a thing as, you know, I hope you're friends with Brad Faxon and you, anytime you hear Brad Faxon talk about putting, it's always about being athletic, being natural, being in the moment. And I can't think of something like a somebody who, who literally can just sit there and dial up irons to half yards and all he has to do is, oh, one fifty two and a half. and a half. Here you go. You know, here's my three yard fade, right? Getting onto a green and looking into into a book seems like the complete opposite of what you should be doing on the green. And maybe removing the green books has helped him with just becoming a natural putter. And, it, you know, that made the statistic. That's all it is.
0: I got one for you as I'm kind of looking at five things. So uh, I figured we'll get into Rory at some point. For Rory, it's stopping the opening round blues in terms of major championships. 73, 75, 76 in first rounds in his last three masters, including 2020 where everybody was going crazy low. But this is a guy that just is not allowing, kind of like what you talk about with Colin Morikawa and freeing yourself up on the green. Rory McIlroy is approaching these majors and doing the complete opposite of what Tiger used to do in majors. Tiger would use the first round, to feel out his game, the golf course, and how this was going to play. Because majors are different, right? They play tougher typically, especially at Augusta National. It's asking different questions than every other tournament is asking. And the first round shouldn't be a place where you feel like you need to go out and get it. You need to go out there and not shoot yourself in the foot. And Rory has consistently shot himself in the foot. And for Rory, even par should be the goal, man. Like, even par, one under, if you shoot two under, great. But don't shoot 75, man. If you shoot 75, you're probably not going to win. And that has been the formula that has doomed him as of late, is he just can't get off to even a remotely okay start.
1: You know what Rory's first rounds have shown? Overthinking? A guy that knows he's going up against history. It's, it's nerves, I think. I, that's the telltale sign of nerves is slow starts if you think about when you've struggled in tournaments or struggled in qualifiers, it's usually off the getting off the blocks. And then you have great back nines that can save them sometimes, but nerves is, is just getting out of the gates. And I, and obviously if you go through all of his actions, all of his quotes over those times, you see a guy that's trying to figure out a way to cope with something that's mental on that first round. What you said is, is kind of true, like 72. And if you talk to any pro about Augusta National, the thing they say is it's easy to shoot 72. It's really hard to shoot 66. And when you start trying to shoot 66, you bring 76 in. So maybe his goal should be to go out there and shoot 72. It's just because if you look at what he does after the first round, it's amazing. He he'll, It's almost a guaranteed backdoor top 10 after he shoots the 76 or the 75 or whatever it is in the first round. So yeah, with, with Rory, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe he needs to go have a bottle of wine, drink a bottle of wine himself the night before. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he should come into it a little blurry. Maybe he shouldn't take a, a touch a club the entire week leading up and just go out and play because like, there's no, there's no way in 2014. If you said, this is what Rory's going to do in the first round of majors for the next eight years, you'd You'd have lost every dollar. It's, it's nuts. It's utterly nuts what his
0: performance has been. And I don't know. It's got to turn around, right? I I love, I love what you said about the, like, if you're Rory McIlroy with how talented Rory is, right? If I said to Rory on any golf course on the planet on any day, Hey, I want you to go, I'll bet you a million dollars that that you go out and can shoot even par like just shoot even and and I mean just post 72 there's no way he couldn't do that anywhere in the world he's too good not to even par to your point even par is attainable now shooting three under at Augusta National is not always attainable sometimes the course is playing really tough sometimes you just don't have it but even when somebody as talented as Rory is doesn't have it he should still be able to get in at 72 just get off the blocks man
1: Along the same lines as like getting off to a fast start. The other thing with Rory, it just seems. And I think Bryson's kind of the opposite. I've noticed like this penchant with Bryson when, whenever he, whenever something's kind of rocking and he's got a big putt, he makes it. It's wild. Like he rolls in a 20 footer for par, or he always makes that eight footer for bogey when it looks like he might make a double with Rory. It's, Things are going good. Things are going good. And it's just like a terrible bogey. And there are just these speed bumps that he always seemingly hits that just stop and kill momentum. And it's so, so easy to see at Augusta because you know the course, you know the scoring opportunities, and they always happen like along those tracks. He hits one left on 13 or, you know, he hits one in the water on 50. It's just like. You just can't give one
0: away on 16 with a funnel pin. You can't make a bogey there. Right. <laughs> like, take, get, do what the course is asking of you. You know, don't try to do too much. Don't try to do too little. Just make the birdies on three of the par fives and don't make a stupid six with a wedge. And then we'll see where you are on Friday afternoon. But that's my Rory point. I
1: will say this, though, with Rory and everybody loves to be like, oh, Augustus, Taylor built for him. And, and I think this is. This was a take that was founded when distance was so king at Augusta, but now everybody gets over the hills. So it's a little bit less of a separator, right? You know, there's a, that that area to clean, clear that was like the big thing. And, and Rory was one of the early big ball, a big long drive guys. Now, I think Augusta, the under-emphasized point is the importance of short game, you know, and when it comes to getting up and down, like short game and putting, like Rory's not on my list of guys that I'm like, and and Rory misses, misses greens. You know, he has those bad misses in the bag. And, and I think it, it kind of, I don't think Rory's perfect for Augusta.
0: Right. Well, I, I, I would go a step, a step further than what you said there. And cause you brought up putting and I have contended that you don't have to be a great putter to win Augusta national. You need to be a great lag putter, but you don't, you, we've seen a lot of. Ad- putters and even bad historic putters think about Adam Scott think about Sergio Garcia as of late that have won there you know even Hideki who is not a great putter historically right I mean he's a guy that has struggled on the greens I think the number one skill is pitching the golf ball the number one skill is using your wedges to your advantage and there's a reason Zach Johnson won at Augusta National and was playing brutally tough and there's a reason Tiger won a lot there and Sevy's had success there and players that are so good with their wedges. Hideki
1: and Sergio are like two of the greatest pitchers that nobody talks about.
0: Yeah, and Jordan's so good at that as well. And I mean, when you look, I mean, Cabrera, I mean, think about Cabrera's hands in his prime and how good he was at pitching the golf ball and Phil Mickelson. All of these players that have different skill set and hit the ball different distances and use different putting styles and sometimes completely different putters, they all are awesome around the greens with their wedges. It's not necessarily about making the five-footer. It's about finding a way to wedge it to five feet to give you that opportunity. And Rory, I'd say that's his worst skill set, right? I mean, I think for Rory, that's the part of his game that he struggles with the most and he's struggled with the most throughout his life is the creativity goes away around the greens for Rory McIlroy. And it has to be so locked in for him to have success. And typically when he's won majors, going back to 2014, he's just ball struck the place to death.
1: Speaking of pitcher, great pitchers of the golf. I, ball. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to do this. I think I would pay an unreasonable sum of money to watch Justin Thomas yes. in a, like an 18 hole match play of like I get a pick where I drop the ball, him and him and Cameron Smith and like who can get it up and down. Like I would love to see a tournament like that, like crazy up and downs match play between guys. And Justin Thomas He's so fun to watch. Everybody talks about the ball striking and how fun the variety of shots, but around the greens, he's so fun to watch. He hits, he has such a wide array of shots, like the bumps. He hits those bump and runs. He hits the high pitches. Like he's, he has every shot in the bag from T to green. And, you know, I just said, Rory isn't, tailor-made for augusta national you know who is tailor-made for augusta national justin thomas
0: hell yes
1: wide array of shot shapes he's great chipper of the golf ball Uh, uh you know one of the five best iron players in the world plenty long and he's not he's a little crooked which isn't that big of a deal at augusta national and you know up until last year we hadn't seen him really contend at augusta and it, coming out from around the corner, like growing up around there, I'm sure there was a lot of pressure coming into it. He's never putted really well there. But last year he got into contention, obviously didn't go his way on, on the weekend, but this is a guy I expect to be there on, on Sunday. Uh, he's played exceptionally well this year without winning. Nothing's come together. He's had rounds where he's putted well or determines he's putted well. And the ball striking hasn't just been up to his, his level. And then the weeks that the ball strike has been there, the putter just hasn't been there. And maybe these things marry up, but it just seems really cheap and really ridiculous that Justin Thomas only has one major to his name as of now. And that happened six years ago.
0: I'm with you. I mean, he's my pick to win it. I picked him a couple of weeks ago. I said, he's going to win the masters in 2022 for me. And, and I had Justin Thomas on my list as well. Andy, for me it's time for Justin Thomas to be Justin Thomas at Augusta because this is a place that should make so much sense to him. We've talked so much about Jordan Spieth and everybody loves to bring up the buddy buddy thing, but as much as Augusta makes sense to Jordan Spieth around the greens, it should make that much sense to Justin Thomas in terms of the ball striking. I love what you said about his underratedness around greens too. You know, when you watch those old videos and people on Instagram post these a lot, the old videos of Tiger, you know, Tiger in his prime, what I'm always in awe of is how soft his arms are. You know, he'd hit those just – it felt like the club's moving the same speed on the way back and the way through. And JT is that modern example of that. There's a reason Tiger has kind of brought JT into his camp. There's a reason Tiger travels to Augusta with Justin Thomas is because I think he sees so much of himself in, him, in his, his game when he was in his 20s. I think he sees a lot of JT there. And I feel like it's time for JT to kind of step up. Because he needs to do it now, or he's going to truly become the forgotten major player, which is sad. He doesn't need to be that. He doesn't need to be the guy that has one major when he's 35 years old. This is the place that needs to start happening. He needs to go on one of those Ernie runs or Phil runs, where it's six or seven straight masters where he's in the top seven.
1: Yeah. And I I think the thing about him there is that he can play mediocre in top 10 at Augusta. Yes. Uh it's just a matter of if he's striking it really well he's going to be in the mix and if he if his putter like you said earlier is just above average it just has to be above average and he's he's got as good a chance as anybody to win so it's uh JT this is uh this is time how many how many you got left
0: I think that's it I think I ran through mine
1: you got through your... Okay. So my last one, I'm going to change it. I was going to talk about the course, but I've I've talked about the course on this podcast already. And the course changes are obviously going to be a big story and, and something that a lot of people talk about. But one of the things I wanted to talk about is uh, just how many potential winners there are. If you look down the official world golf rankings, anybody in the top 25 maybe the top 30 exclude a couple names out of the top 30 of the top 30. I'd say that 25 of the guys in the top 30, if you told me they win this year's masters, I'd say, Oh, that's not that big of a surprise. And I I think that's talks about the depth of golf right now, the depth of talent. There's so many good players. And, you know, I think if, if I was going to go through the list and say like, this guy isn't going to win at the masters, it would be the highest ranked player would be Billy Horschel at 13. That it would be Tyrell Hatton. Obviously, Harris English isn't playing because of injury. But then you get down, it's like Matt Fitzpatrick's playing as good as anybody on the PGA Tour right now and has played really well at, at Augusta National. I wouldn't be that surprised. Uh, but then you get down, it's like Kisner and and Kevin Na. I don't think those guys necessarily have the horsepower to get it done. But outside of that, anybody else in that top 30, and Will Al Torres is there at 29. I mean, if the putter is halfway decent, he's got a great shot.
0: And, Andy, it has been a long, long time since we've had a non-big name win a major championship. I mean, even Gary Woodland at Pebble, I would say Gary Woodland was a known name. I mean, people knew Gary. They'd known what he'd been able to do. Everybody kind of knew about him as the long-driving guy, you know, earlier in his career, and he kind of changed his game. But to me, you kind of go back to, to Danny Willett. As the last player that kind of shocked the world, and that guy was almost a top ten player in the world when he did it, right?
1: Because didn't he? He finished. Did he win? Doral he finished third. I. He was a top ten player, I think, in the world when he. won. He was
0: either top ten or just outside when he won that. And I mean, you look at him, and you've got Jimmy Walker, who I think now, when you look at it, might come off the page a little bit when you go through the la- the recent major winners. But I mean, at that time, Jimmy Walker was a big name in golf. It's been a long time I mean, since we've had... Up
1: until recently, nobody had led the FedEx Cup more than Jimmy Walker.
0: There you go. There you go. You got it in. I was waiting and wondering if you'd get it in on this podcast. But no, I mean, it, it has been a long time. We have been blessed on the men's side of golf in terms of the winners of major championships. And it's been a long time. And again, I don't say this is a bad thing when a Tom Hoagie gets a as a chance to win a major championship. But come Sunday... If one of those lesser named players takes home a green jacket, I think we're at least getting closer and closer to that inevitably being the case at one of these majors this year or next, because it's been so long since we've had it. And we've seen so many big names win majors recently.
1: To go along with the the first timers, Hoagie's on that list, Cameron Young, Taylor Gooch, I think Gooch, Gooch would be an example of a guy that like nobody, you know, no casual fan really knows who how good Taylor
0: Gooch right, is. Right, right, right. It's a great point.
1: Sensational T to Green player. Um and, and obviously like I even a guy like Max, I think like he's he's got a lot of mainstream appeal because of his good uh his social media, you know, uh presence. But Max Homa wins at at really good golf courses seemingly. Tough golf
0: courses. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think that's like a demanding golf course. He's a great iron player, and that's like this is a golf course that I think he could play well at. But like, that's the thing with the Masters is, you, especially with this type of talent that's now on the tour. There's so many guys that hit the ball at such a great level, and if any of their putters get hot, they're going to be right there. And I, I just this is what makes the major special. Is this is what's different than the Wells Fargo. This is what's different than you know the the Honda is that you get to the back nine on Sunday and, and you're not, you're not playing the, the best player. You're not just competing against the best players in the world. The history and the, the gravity of the moment becomes immense.
0: You mentioned max. I mean, I, I think he's primed for a big major year. I just, he's playing better and better. He's playing more consistent. He plays tough golf courses and tough tournaments as good as anybody out there. I mean, go look at how he's played the Bay Hills and the Rivieras and when conditions have asked those questions of you. He's had a couple of years now of major experience. I would be non-surprised if Max has like three top tens in majors this year. I mean, I just feel like his game is getting to that point. He's worked so hard on his short game over the last eight months that I just feel like he's getting to a place where he feels like he should be getting himself in contention in majors. And that was a little bit of what we talked off the top you know you bring up the history of these things and i always say about the masters it's the easiest and hardest golf tournament in the world to win it's the easiest in terms of it's the least amount of great players you have to beat and it's the hardest golf tournament in the in the world to win cuz it's the one they want to win the most and there's so much that comes with it and if you take this thing off at 25 or 28 or 32 and you understand that for the rest of your life you're a part of the most elite club in sport That's a lot to take on when you're standing over that shot on 13 or you got to hang and lie on 15, right? I mean, there's a lot more that comes into your mind than I'm trying to make eagle here. It's I'm trying to win the Masters here. And that's what makes this so important. That's why these majors are going to get bigger and bigger each and every year going forward. Because with all the money in the Netflix and social media and pip and all these things that we laugh about at times in and around sport, the one thing that's constant is the history. And there's no more history in sport than Augusta National and the Masters. And it's such a fun thing to be a part of and to get a witness because every year, you know, I always think about this getting to Monday, every year on Sunday, somebody's life's going to change, right? Every year, a life is changed forever. No matter how how rich and how important and how cool you are, your life forever will be changed if you play four good rounds of golf.
1: Yeah. And I, I think you hit on something that I was thinking about the other day, and I think with the bastards, it's more so than anything else, is when your mind is allowed to think about what you get when you do something on the golf course. And when you get into the moment where it begins to creep into your mind, hey, I get to come back here every year for the rest of my life. I get I get to host the champions dinner. Like once and these guys, I think the thing that I'm always Most astounded by is how good at staying in the moment these guys are, but they even have slip ups. And that's what golf cannot be any harder than the moment you start thinking about what you get. If you just keep doing what you're doing.
0: You bring up like, I like I've had these conversations with players. I mean, I I remember talking to Curtis strange about 1985 one time. And I mean, you're talking probably 35 years later when we had this conversation And it's like it was yesterday. I mean, you think about the great Weiskopf line, right? About how good the Green Jacket's going to look on me. And you think about Kenny Perry, and he's almost to the finish line, right? He's one step away from completing the marathon, but he didn't quite finish it off, and he finishes bogey, bogey. And then, of course, the Green Jacket's taken from him. And it's you got to finish it. I mean, even Tiger in 19, like you got to make five on 18 to win the Masters, and he wasn't the easiest five in the world that he made, but you got to make that five. And it is the one place that does not let up. And it is the one place that continues to ask those questions. And imagine standing, like for you and I, who've played competitive golf, standing on at t having hit that drive to win the Masters, and then having hit the second shot to win the Masters, and having to navigate the putt. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it just seems so stressful. Now I'm sitting in my basement thinking about it. I can only imagine what it's like for these guys. But those are my uh, those are my five. I mean, I wanted to hit on Rory. I wanted to hit on Scheffler give him, you know, the, the praise he needed. And I know you and I both wanted to hit on JT.
1: Yeah. And, uh, we didn't hit on lots of red meat. We didn't hit on ROM, obviously. Uh, you know, I think it, it, not much to say about him other than he's, he's exceptional at golf. And then Kepka, Kepka's going to be my pick. Wow. Just feeling it, huh? You know, I just, he's going to be around, is is my all I all I'm looking for is somebody that's gonna be around. I feel like his recent when he wins at majors, he plays well the week before or the week or two weeks before. Like it, it just always happens where he plays really well. I don't think you want to get to the final four at, at 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 the Austin tournament. I think the best way is to bow out before that. And I think that Kepka he's, he's done everything but win at, at Augusta. And it, if he wins, that'd be something else.
0: I mean, is this like, I know that it's so easy to say, this is your favorite week of the year. If you're a golf person, but the weight from major to major, the anticipation and the knowledge of the golf course and understanding of the history of it. I love the open, obviously. I mean, I love the U S open and kind of being a part of, of the broadcast side of things. You know, I respect the PGA for what it is, but, Getting to this week, it just always feels like we made it. You know, every time we get here, it's like, ah, okay, here we go. Now we're going to go on this run.
1: Yeah, I I put it I lately I've been uh, I love the open. I think as a, a spectator in America, I love the open and partially I love it also because of like work life balance i is pe- been like I love that the open are these hectic major weeks where I still have an afternoon where I have a life, but these the, the every other major week it's the entire day for an entire week is just gone, but I think the open and the masters to me are the clear tops uh of the pedestal i mean this is i love the u s open too, but I think their the style of setup has become a less appealing to me over the years.
0: Well, th- this is, I mean, you know, getting and go down there. I know we're going to go down there and, uh, and and watch some basketball earlier in the week and have some food and just hang out and talk about this. But I just had a baby 10 days ago, you know. I mean, there's not much stuff that's going to get me excited to leave home. And, uh, you know, I mean, I know I'm going to miss Charlotte. I know I'm going to miss the fam when I leave. But I pinch myself every time I get to go to walk around that place and, and get to be a part of it in some capacity. And I can't wait to do it again, man. I mean, and I'm so pumped that it's going to be like it was, what was it, Three years ago, right? Three yeah. years ago, is that right? My goodness! So it's going to feel like a bit of a of, of like we're all returning as well uh, in a capacity. So I'm looking forward to it. I have one last golf question before we go. I have I wanted to say this to the end of the podcast. I'm playing in a one club golf tournament tomorrow. Ooh. One club only. What club do I take out?
1: How long's the course? How long? Not overly long.
0: Not overly long. It's probably sixty four, sixty five hundred from the backs. I think a six iron. Yeah, I was six or seven is what I'm really between. I want to take three wood. I want to just take three wood just to be an a hole. And because there's a couple par fours I could drive with my three wood. But then you'd be around the green. What would you do around the green? You just bump and run it, man. Just go, go, you know, kind of go a little Todd Hamilton like, you know, just hit the little runner. I mean, you can't do that. You got to go with something with a little bit of loft. But I think it'd be hilarious to go three wood
1: with a six or seven iron. You can still
0: get out of a bunker. Yes,
1: you get the three wood in there. You're. T- what are you going to do with the three wood?
0: Do you do you blade the putts or do you de like do you do the de loft putt? I think like you, have you have okay. to blade them. You have to blade them. Okay, right? I, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there early tomorrow and hit a couple of putts. And Maybe see. you could go righty and use the back would, of it. I thought about that as well. I've thought about hitting backwards as well, but I almost think the de lofting. And maybe people think I'm crazy here, but I almost feel like on longer putts, I do back of my foot, D loft, and just kind of like almost try to meet it with zero loft.
1: I like that, I think, for longer putts. I think you go Phil. You have two two methods.
0: <laughs> and, there, and there it is, our our Mickelson mention of this. Podcast. You notice
1: the ball is in a slight depression, so I switched, <laughs> switched claw at the last minute.
0: <laughs> to win the PGA to, Championship. To pop it out. To win the PGA, I changed my putting stroke on the seventy-first hole. Wild stuff, um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, everybody, check out Get a Grip.
1: Uh, they may they might hear you on some stuff. I you know I know that that's all cahoots and quiet, but they might hear you if you're if you're tuning into coverage. They might. I don't know. Um, and uh, we look forward to a great week down at uh, at in Augusta.
0: Uh, Man, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it as well, Andy. Anytime you need me, just let me know.
1: Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today's episode was edited by the wonderful Meg Atkins. Thank you, Meg. As a reminder, as I said at the top, it's Masters Week, so we will be on site it's a great time to sign up for the, the newsletter, the Friday egg newsletter. It is uh, sent out daily during Masters week. Will and our entire team will be contributing, but mostly Will, Will Knights, and he does a great job with it and you can go to the and there should be a little sign up bar, sign up for the newsletter. It is free. It comes to your inbox every day during Masters week and then 3 days a week outside of that and in the easiest way to stay up to date with everything going on in the golf world. Thanks, and we will be back with a, another episode of the Friday Podcast this week.